to Bring on the Mess, a show where we have real conversations about how to embrace life's messiness and how we find ways to show up and uncover our true selves. I'm Lisa Lee, Chief Clinical Officer here at For All Seasons, and I'm joined today by Lauren Weber. Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about your role here at For All Seasons? Thank you, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, My role at For All Seasons is Vice President of Philanthropy and Education. I direct our Center for Learning, but really I come to this conversation as a mom, as someone who has worked in schools and put together curriculum for kiddos on social-emotional learning, and as someone who's really excited about our kiddos being their best selves. I remember meeting you. You came from another agency and we were lucky to have you with us and you do have a pretty extensive background in schools and I guess from a personal experience but also you are an incredible researcher too so can you tell us a little bit about your roles and whether it's like mama role combined with professional role but I would love for everyone to learn a little bit about you and the great work that you've really done behind the scenes. Sure. My journey to really changing my whole career path towards coming into and caring about children and families happened when I became a mom. I have three wonderful kids, two boys and a girl. They came really fast. I was pregnant for three years in a row. <laughs> I know that was only two years in a row for me, though. Yeah. Which was its own mini journey. <laughs> and they got older, right? I had this idea of the children I was going to have, mm-hmm. you know, I've got this big pregnant belly. And then they came out into the world and they were their own humans separate from who I had imagined. Mm-hmm. So there was this personal journey I was undergoing of who are children? Who are they? Are they extensions of me? Mm-hmm. Are they their own little people? And every day I'm surprised that more and more my now nine, eight, and six-year-old are these, gosh, forces of nature, mm-hmm. right? With different little personalities mm-hmm. too, right? I, and I really love how you said that. Are they an extension of me? Are they their own little persons? And... I think they're a combination, right, Mm -hmm. of ourselves, our environment, their own little genetics. And so, yeah, tell us more about this nine, eight, and six. Holy cow. Yeah. Yep. Every day is its own just comedy of errors, right? I would say that when my oldest turned probably two, Mm -hmm. he was in a failure to thrive situation because we were as parents and kind of misguided by some of the medical professional in our lives, Mm -hmm. trying to force, this is what you're going to eat. This is how you're going to eat and when you're going to eat. And it was this journey of realization of this isn't about me rolling down as a parent enforcement of how things are going to be, but really a true, truer partnership. Mm -hmm. And that was only more underscored as we went through with our second kiddo, who's on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm just a revisioning of what is this relationship and how am I parenting? Is it about I'm going to make a decision as a parent and set this rigid schedule and structure of how things are going to be? Or is this more of a conversation between me and my kiddo? And then our little girl came along, our youngest, and she just blew everything out of the water because she is just going to do what she, she's been slamming doors since she was one year old. She's a six-year-old turning, like, 18. (laughs) 
my gosh, I love it. She's got a beautiful personality. And I've got one who just has a really strong, determined personality. Like the other day, I was saying this in a meeting the other day. He's like, I love you, mommy. I'm like, oh my gosh, melt my heart. But in the next beat, it could be, I've got my feet stomping and here I go. And so it is really challenging trying to navigate the different little personalities. And what you said earlier was super important, which is you were getting advice or information from outside professionals. And it wasn't jiving with your family, your child, your parent. I'm not sure how to say that, but something just wasn't clicking. Absolutely. I love our pediatrician and I'm not trying to say that there was anything wrong with that. I just think that sometimes we think we have the book and we say, by one, they're weaned off and they're on solids and these different landmarks. And I just think that my whole world and how I see everything shifted when I said, okay, that's one piece of information. Mm -hmm. Now let's test it and try it and see if it's going to work. And amongst my three kiddos, totally different things work for them. Mm -hmm. And we're continuing to bring that as they get older and have different wants and needs and interests to say, what does this kid need right now at this stage of his or her development? And let it be informed. So you said I'm a researcher. I am such a researcher. And I do, in my spare time, (laughs) read things so that I can feel like I know what's out there. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's taking that and seeing if it works in the context of our, our family. Or when I've been working in schools in the context of this classroom Mm -hmm. or this friend group. And uh, that was a big shift for me. That's so important to be able to say, I'm going to take in all this information. And I wonder if there wasn't almost a going with your instinct too, that said something like this just isn't fitting into where my child is in this moment. And I will say for me, good grief. If, you know, my belly wasn't a certain way when I was pregnant, oh my gosh, developmentally, are they not where they're at? Or if they didn't meet a certain milestone on time, it could cause a little bit of shame as a parent. And that could be a really challenging thing because we have, you know, other people doesn't necessarily have to be parents biological. I mean, it could be grandparents, it could be foster parents, it could be aunts and uncles, friends, taking care of kids. And we have to realize, I think the point that you said that was so important is not everyone is going to fit into like what the book says, that we have to use that as information amongst a lot of other things to help kids grow. Absolutely. So I'm going to show you how much of a nerd I am because what I hear you saying (laughs) is that research, what the book says, what the doctor says, or the expert says to you is an input. It's not an output, right? And for me, I kind of feel my wisdom in my gut, Mm -hmm. right? So we can kind of roll that around in our gut and say, that's a great input, but how do I act on that? And that's my output. That's what I'm actually going to do with it. And I have to say that getting on either metaphorically or literally getting on this child's level and saying, what's up? How you doing? Mm -hmm. What's bubbling up for you is the most impactful way to begin. Right. And I just don't think that we do that enough because me as a parent, I thought that I know best. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've seen this a lot in schools as well. Right. I know what's happening. I've got an agenda and there is no blending of agendas. There's no kind of let's bring 
us together. So we're all in a flow together. It's kind of more, I get to make the rules and you get to follow them. Right. And what you're inviting people to consider, or maybe we're inviting people to consider is there's a blend. It's really taking in the information. And I really appreciate when people say, trust your gut, trust your instinct, like there really is something to that. Mm -hmm. So you pull from the podcast or from your pediatricians or from therapists or from friends, something that resonates or hits you that lands and says, okay, that's information that I can use. And then I'm going to experiment with it. I'm going to see, does this work for this situation? So this relationship with this, what I'm trying to teach my child, if it's teachers, it's trying to get information from teachers and working with teachers. But I really hear you say, it's not that we as parents, which actually kind of takes a lot of pressure off, have to be the experts and know everything. It's let's do this together. Is Absolutely. That right? yeah. 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 And what's bubbling up for me on that is when I mentioned my middle child is on the autism spectrum and it was just such an intense, but also eye-opening experience going through this period of what's happening for this kiddo. And during that testing process and that kind of discovery, we had a battery of tests and some came to us as the parents. Some came to his wherever caregivers were, right? So his teacher or his special education team. And we got this 360 view of who is this kiddo in a variety of contexts. And so when I hear you saying, let's work together, a big learning for me has been my kiddo is different in my house mm -hmm. than he might be in the world, than he might be in school, than he might be on the playground, or when he's risk-taking in a variety of different contexts, and being able to see how he shows up and what are the things he struggles with when he's not with me, that was a big learning experience because that's not just because my kiddo's on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. that's all three of our children, and that's all of our children. So I started asking during parent-teacher conferences, I stopped asking about how are they doing academically because the teacher's already going to let me know mm -hmm. and the grade's on the report card. I started asking, when is he or she their best? Mm -hmm. When do you see the light in their eyes? When do you see them scared or hesitant? And how can we make sure that across the board we're all working together to support them? Because there's not enough emphasis. I believe I'm a big proponent of this. Here's my soapbox. I'm stepping onto it. <laughs> I'm going to be with you. I yeah. <laughs> that we're not in the business of raising straight A adults. Right. We are in the business of helping these yet little people become their best selves for the rest of their lives. Right. Well, and it's so funny. I always giggle because academically... I wasn't the strongest student. I mean, it was a decent student. And so when my kids come home, sometimes I'm like, holy cow, I don't even understand fifth grade English language arts right now. <laughs> but that's why the teachers are there. And mm. they're so supportive and amazing with that. And for me, the social emotional development is so important. And obviously, we want a well-rounded child. But for me, being able to interact and navigate in particular, my kids are in fifth and sixth grade. So the social situations, how to relate to adults. For me, I'm a big look this person in the eye, you know, firm handshake to help them to build confidence. But then here's the other thing is our job as caregivers, again, whether we're biological parents or aunts, uncles, because I, I want even with my kids with you, Lauren, 
to be able for you to teach them certain things too in situations. So how do we navigate, and I don't know if you have any thoughts about this, but how to navigate sort of the difficulties in life? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that there's a not enough focus on those friction moments, mm. right? I love that word, friction moments. When, when I'm laying in bed thinking, okay, I'm up, gosh, I'm tired, I need coffee, but I'm starting to think, what's my day going to be? Mm-hmm. And what's my kiddo's day going to be? I got to get them fed, dressed, brush teeth, brush hair, on the bus. Right, right. And then they're off in their world and they're going to be attentive and listen and sit still and all those different things. I am planning for the best case scenario, not the things that we know come up. Because by the time lunch is rolled around here at the office, I've had 15 different calls that I didn't expect or different emails. And the same things happen for our kiddos. Yeah, that's true. Right. So I think that one of the things I want to talk to you about is when my kiddo comes home and says, gosh, I had a rough day. And that does happen where they said, I didn't feel good today. Or my youngest, she holds all of her stress in her tummy. Mm -hmm. So she says, I don't really feel like eating tonight. That's my cue to dig deep a a little bit with her. And all of my kiddos are different. But for her, that's, that's how I know. And I wonder how we help them, one, process the bad day that they've had. And two, learn from it so that it's not just a series of things, a Groundhog Day happening over and over again. Right. Well, I love what you said, which is one child might come home and say, I had a bad day, mom. And then another child might not say anything, but it shows up somatically, which just means in your body, by I'm not hungry or I have a tummy ache. And for you, that's a cue that says something might be going on. And I don't know if you use this, but for me, I use the... Hey, buddy, can you tell me more? Like, tell me more about that. Or what does that mean? So I use that sometimes as a strategy. And then I use the old, sometimes there's kids that I work with. And this situation comes up because I might know a little bit about what they're struggling. And they sort of project. So I'm like, what do you think kids your age might do in this kind of situation? Or what would you tell your friends one of my youngest at one point was having a hard time with sort of a little bit of confidence stuff. And his little buddy who he really adored at that time, I said, Hey, so what would you say to so-and-so about that? And he was like, Oh, I would say you can do it. And I was like, how about you start to tell yourself some of that stuff? So I think for me, it's about if your child doesn't come to tell you noticing absolutely what you said, which was really great. And then Again, my go-to phrase is, tell me more. And if that works, great. But if not, then some of the other strategies. How about you? Like, what are some of the things you do? Yeah, I get a lot of, um. <laughs> and it's also that that consistent listening, right? So if the tell me more doesn't work because it's just a little too on the nose, right. I downshift. Yes. Let's, let's play with your dolls. Let's read a book together. And then sometimes it just kind of bubbles bubbles out right because the the pressure's off and it's not quite so you're in the spotlight let's unpack your day well it's not as direct like when you're playing kids natural way to communicate is through play Mm -hmm. and so when you're out there playing some of those themes come up in the play or maybe they're just relaxed enough to be able to say mom this thing happened at school today so i love that so it's that projecting hey what would your friends do in this situation or 
just letting them in their natural environment, which is to play, which is really, it's really amazing strategy that you use. Good for you, Lauren. Oh yes. I'm patting myself (laughs) on the back. I think too, though, that there's a big piece of it that is about this relationship we have with Mm -hmm. our, with our young people, whether we're the parent or the grandparent, or like you said, aunts and uncles, but also working in schools for so long, I have seen both from the parent perspective, but also from the school administrator perspective, that the teachers, the adults in the room is what I like to call them, whatever room you're in with the kiddo, whoever that adult is, those that are most successful at helping these young people be the amazing people that they already are, are those that honor the wisdom that our young people hold within them, Mm -hmm. right? Now, as much as I say my, like, why my wisdom is in my belly, I think our young people and we don't recognize this enough, have an amazing wisdom in their minds and their hearts, but just in themselves around what it is they need. Mm-hmm. And the strategies that have been successful in getting what they need, whether those, as adults, we would say are positive or quote-unquote negative mm-hmm. strategies, regardless if they've been the effective strategies, they know what they need and they know what's been helpful to get it. I really appreciate that because I think sometimes it's going back to what you said earlier, which is sometimes we think we have to be in charge of everything, but if we can sit with or be with our kids, whether it's through being a teacher or another guardian of some sort, that we can help build the confidence inside and not always solve the problems for them. Absolutely. So allow them to do some thinking. And here's one of the most difficult and challenging things is letting them feel a little bit because it's in there where there's an opportunity to learn something, I think. Definitely. I love that. I love the failure piece. I think that there's this really wise, challenging, hard thing for us in that, which is we can't bubble wrap them, right? We cannot bubble wrap our kids because again, if our goal is to raise adults that are ready for life and ready for all the problems. I mean, how many problems can you look back in your adult life and say, whoa, that was hard. If they arrive at adulthood, never having been tested and tried, then we're not serving them well. Absolutely. So we're sort of at that point, Lauren, where we're coming to an end for our time. And I feel like we've had some really good nuggets in here. And so just for a moment, think about, is there anything in particular that you're hoping that we can get out of our conversation today? So for me, I really like that last point and how you use the word like friction. There has to be some friction in life because if there's friction in life, then we have to, for me, sit back and trust that our kids can handle it. And if they get a little bit stuck, it's okay. They can learn to ask us for help or we might kind of offer, are you needing a little bit of help? But struggle is okay because struggle is going to help them build the skills that they need in order to be healthy adults. Absolutely. So that's some of the stuff that I took from what you said today. I don't know. Are there any other points or things that you would say? I think this is also important. So here's the image that I have in my brain. Yeah. Probably, gosh, 10 years ago, I went and took a course in photography just as, Um, you know, a fun thing for me. And we had a series of kind of photo challenges. And one of the challenges was 
see the world through someone else's perspective. Mm -hmm. And someone in this class took a series of photos from the perspective, the height of their toddler. Oh, I love that. And it has kind of forever stuck with me and changed me because the images themselves were striking. But I think my takeaway as a parent and as someone who... I guess we can call me an educator and not in a classroom way, but in the role that I have here is how often do we sit or kneel or in our minds sit or kneel and see the world through our young people's eyes and think, how would this feel if someone was dictating to me, don't sit that way, don't stand, don't say that. Or, Sit still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <gasps> or how does it feel when someone kneels down and looks me in the eye and treats me like I am this person and being that has my own agenda and perspectives? And I'm honored by this person in that wisdom that I hold as a young person. It's so inspirational. And before we end, I'd like to just say, There was such a beautiful tone in your voice as you talked about even kneeling down and being eye to eye. And what we're going to throw out is do an experiment. Whether you're a grandparent, whether you're an aunt, whether you're a dog owner, it doesn't matter. Just maybe get down and view things from a child's perspective even if it's for 10 minutes and just see what happens so thank you for that lauren and thank you for joining us today on bring on the mess we are really excited for our next podcast so we look forward to talking with you all again and we'll see you soon absolutely thanks for having me